Well, happy Father's Day. Have you said that to your father yet? Amen. Happy Father's Day, dads. And uh, all those wannabes. Amen. Father's Day is a special holiday. But like all holidays, holidays can be hard. Because some of us have lost fathers um, recently, maybe not so recently, but yet there's still that, that hole where dad was. And uh, so we always miss our dads. But we want to make sure that we honor dads in a special way. You know, they're special people. Uh, certainly doesn't take away from moms. Moms are pretty special too. But they had their day. <laughs> now we're going to talk about dads. <laughs> and we're going to spend time talking about how we can have a great relationship with our Heavenly Father. I'm not sure if your relationship with your dad was a good dad, a good relationship or not. Sometimes they're difficult. Sometimes they go through seasons of difficulty. Uh, I have found in my own life that the older I get, the more intelligent my dad was. <laughs> I'm not sure why that is, but when I was 18, my dad wasn't so very smart. But he smartened up as he got older. <laughs> Isn't that something how that happens? But you know, God modeled our Heavenly Father relationship right alongside of our relationship with our earthly fathers. And he did that for a reason. You know, there are no accidents when it comes to God. He doesn't just um, throw darts at walls and see where they land. He has a purpose. And uh, it's no accident that God modeled the human family according to the structure, which it is today, or which it was meant to be today at least. And this is, a, this is the, in, in a direct correlation to the way that we can relate to our heavenly father as how we relate to our earthly fathers. The whole family idea is God's idea. It's not a man-made fantasy. This is not a creation of man that we would have husband and wife join together and create a family. It's a God-given idea. It's a God-given mandate that a woman and a man would join together and with that would create a family unit and we would have moms and dads. And I know that some family units are not very functional. In fact, I would venture to say there's no such thing as a non-dysfunctional family. Uh, even Jesus' family was a little bit dysfunctional because Mary and Joseph forgot Jesus at the uh, temple. We, already, we heard about that. You can read about that. They were not perfect parents. They made mistakes. They forgot him. <laughs> uh, how many of you and I, or how many of us, have been forgotten at church once or twice in our life? I, I know I was. My, what's that, Mom? Oh, I know. I know, Mom. It scarred me for life. Believe me, I've been scarred over ever since that time when you forgot me at church. I haven't been the same. <laughs> That's why I'm a pastor today, Mom. But, you know, God ordains things, and everything that God ordains, Satan disdains. Everything that God ordains, Satan disdains, and therefore he will destroy it to the best of his ability. If God set up the relationship between our earthly fathers as a model for our relationship with our heavenly father, then understand that Satan is going to attack that relationship. He is going to attack that. He is going to come against it. He is going to try to destroy relationships between fathers and daughters and fathers and sons, just like he's trying to destroy the relationship that you and I have with our Heavenly Father. 
If Satan can destroy a godly inheritance from one generation to another, then he is on his way to destroying the church. If Satan has his way, if Satan can destroy the relationships between fathers and sons, and fathers and daughters, which ultimately would destroy relationships between us and our Heavenly Father, then Satan is on his way to destroy the church. That's his plan. That's his strategy in case we don't know that. In case you're not aware of that, Satan is very active in the lives of, of destroying the lives of people. That's why this is such an important holiday. This is why it's so important that we recognize fathers as being special. And our society mocks men. Our society, more than ever, is mocking the role of fatherhood. Look at, uh, look at the commercials on TV. Who's the bumbling idiot? Why are you laughing, Tony? Yeah. <laughs> Who, in, in the sitcoms, who do they make fun of? Rick. Who do they, they, they make fun of dads, don't they? More than, more than moms. In fact, it's politically incorrect to make fun of moms. We get in trouble when we uh, laugh at the females, but boy, we can laugh at males all the time. Why do you think that's the case? Why do you think that? And I'm not being chauvinistic here. But why do you think it's the case? Why do you think that our society mocks the role of manhood? Is it maybe because God ordains manhood? Is it because maybe God has ordained the role of a father? And that our society would disdain that? Our society would come against men as intelligent, smart, strong individuals? But whether they would want to depict us as idiots that we can't hardly step two steps in a row without falling over or we can't use a screwdriver we can't start a car no our society is trying to destroy because that's what the enemy's trying to do he's trying to destroy the role of manhood because he wants to take that away from boys to grow up to be men to be godly men former NFL coach Tony Dungy has these comments about the role of fatherhood in today's generation. Tony says this, Today, fatherhood remains one of the critical foundations for the health of our current generation and for those that will follow. The way fatherhood is viewed in the future is in large part dependent upon the way that today's fathers, grandfathers, and father figures handle the responsibilities of this role that has been, that has been entrusted to them. So dads, grandfathers. We have a responsibility to handle fatherhood properly. We have a responsibility to guard the respect and guard the honor and guard the responsibility of being fathers so that we can pass that down to the next generation, who then they can then pass that down to the next generation. Because what one generation stops, it's over. It's done. So the enemy clearly wants to destroy this. And so today, I want to discuss the role of fathers with the family unit and how closely it correlates with the way our Heavenly Father relates to us. Since we're talking about fatherhood, there must be children. This is not just about a husband-wife relationship. This is about a relationship between fathers and their offspring, fathers and their children. And like I said before, this certainly isn't minimizing the role of the mother because mothers have a very important role as well. And for those single mothers, you are acting in the role of father as much as you are mother. And for that, we pray extra hard for you. 
But if you talk today to a young child, talk to them about their dad. Go to a little boy that's probably three or four or five years old. Ask him, what's your dad like? Well, they're probably going to say, he is Superman. My dad is the biggest dad. My dad's bigger than your dad. In fact, my dad's going to beat your dad up. My dad can do anything he wants to do. There's nothing he doesn't know. My dad is smart. My dad is intelligent. See, kids at that age think their dads are awesome. They do. Younger boys look up to their fathers as being super, and they can do anything. I can remember my dad. When we were at family camp, I was just a boy. And I can remember, and I don't know why this image comes to my mind so often, but I can remember my dad wrestling with Willis Wigmire at the swimming pool at family camp. And my dad wasn't very um, heavy. He was a farmer. He came off the farm, and he was pretty skinny. If I, could, if I look at the pictures now, at that I didn't think he was, but I look at the pictures, he was a pretty skinny little guy. But yet, he, Willis was a little bit bigger than my dad. And I can remember them wrestling by the pool, just messing around, you know, going to throw one each other in. And I was rooting for my dad. Come on, dad, do it. Come on, dad. You know, and I just knew my dad was going to win against Willis. And uh, quite honestly, I think they both fell in, but I think Willis went in first. And, uh, you know, isn't it crazy how you have s silly memories like that? Can you go back in your, in your days with your dad? Can you remember those, those moments where your dad was super? That's good. That's what it's supposed to be. That's the way it's supposed to be because that's the way God ordained it because God wants to, us to think of our dads as super because he wants to, us to think of him as super dad. Because we are in relationship with Father God in heaven as we become fully adopted in, as sonship through our salvation through Jesus Christ. So we can think of our dad relationship in that way so that we then can have a proper relationship and a proper understanding with God our Father. So I want to take the next few minutes and I want to talk about the roles, the relationship roles that we have in making up the family unit that God has designed it to be. I want to talk about how the children relate to fathers. And I want to talk about the role of the father then. And then I want to talk about the role of our heavenly father. But first I want to talk to the children for a minute here. There's not many here in our congregation right now, but I'm going to speak to them anyways as if they were. The Bible teaches us, in fact, let me, let me restate that. We're all children. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. In fact, I'm going to X that out. We never stop being children. We always are children of our parents. There is no age limit of being a child. Whether your parents are alive or not today, you're still their child. So we're all children. So what does the Bible talk to us about as children? Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and your mother. We're to, uh, we're, we are to honor them. We are to respect them. We are to obey them. The Bible is, in, is full of instructions to children to honor parents. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. You want to enjoy long life? You want to be um, successful in godly views? Then honor your parents. Honor them at all ages. 
Colossians chapter 3, verse 20, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Children, young people, adults, we have responsibility to listen to and take instruction willingly from our parents. Our society is against this. Our society wants to uh, destroy relationships. Um, MTV, the, uh, the pop generation today, they are disrespectful to parents. They are disrespectful to those that have reared them. And our society would tell us that we should reject and we should be our own people starting from ages 12 up. We should take responsibility for our own lives and, and disregard our parents' instructions. But I will tell you this morning that it's to your, in your own best interest to listen to your father, especially if he's a godly father, especially if he honors God. Then revere him and listen to him and, and uh, respect him. Does that mean he's perfect? No, absolutely not. In fact, if you're waiting for your dad to be perfect before you honor him, it's never going to happen. Just so you know that. Your dad is not perfect. You, he might have seemed that way when you were younger, but... Uh, he will be the first one to admit today as well that he's not perfect. Proverbs tells us numerous, numerous passages. Proverbs 1.8, Proverbs 4.1, Proverbs 13.1. They all go back and, and read them later. They all talk about our uh, instruction for us to listen to our Father's instruction and to heed his instruction. You see, do you think, let's go back to what I said earlier. Do you think Satan truly wants us to do this? Do you think that Satan really wants us to listen to our fathers? No, he does not. So if we know that, and if we have a problem, if you're having, if there's something's raising up within you, I don't care what age you are, to um, come against godly fathers. Now, if your father's asking you to do something immoral, then stop it. Don't do it. But if he's a godly man, then listen to him and honor him. Because Satan is trying to do everything he can to destroy that relationship because he wants to destroy it, the relationship that we have with him. So son and daughter, like I said before, you are always going to be a son and daughter. Therefore, uh, with this proper perspective and role model, we then can have a better way to honor God, our Father. So let's talk about the roles of a godly father. Let's switch gears now. Let's talk about fathers. Fathers, what is your role today as a godly man? Well, number one, we're to be the priest of the family. The father is to be the priest and spiritual leader of his household. He is the one that is to teach his children how to pray. He's the one that should show them how to read scripture. He's the one that's responsible, not Sunday school, not the pastor, not the youth leader. No, dads, it's going to fall back on you as a, as a man of God to lead your children and to teach them what it is to be a godly child. You know, we are not to, uh, our goal is not to raise great children but our goal is to raise children that become great people. It's not just to raise great children because we want our children to grow up to be great adults. So our role is to, grow, is to teach our children to be great adults. And we do that one step at a time. We do that at home. Dads, that's your responsibility. Let's just call it what it is. It's not your wives. It's not anyone else's. The responsibility falls to the dad. And dad, that's the most important role in your life that you could be the priest of your home. That's the most important thing you can do is to be the priest of your home. And what your kids see you on Sunday morning, I hope they see a, a pretty good version of that on Tuesday night. Because if, if you're a different person on Sunday morning than you are on Tuesday, then what, really, what are you doing? What are you teaching? What are you teaching if you're not consistent? And I'm not talking perfection. 
Uh, don't get me wrong, I'm not talking perfection. I'm just talking about being consistent in your godliness and your perspective and your focus on Christ. So if you're, if you're different on Sunday than you are on Tuesday, then go home today, Dad, and reconsider what are you teaching? Because you're teaching children how to be inconsistent, and you're teaching hypocrisy, and you're teaching some things that just aren't right. So go home today, Dad, and look at yourself, evaluate yourself, and see if you are what you say you are. Let me just give you something else, another piece of little advice when it comes to being a godly father, that you will never stand as tall before your kids as when you are on your knees in prayer. You'll never stand as tall to your kids as when you are on your knees in prayer. That will make you a giant. That will make you a superhero when you are on your knees praying for your children. They need to see this. They need to see what it's like to have a godly father. They need to know what it is to have a, a man that's going to lead them in, in, in a godly fashion. Fathers, we have a great responsibility. We have a great role to play in our family. We want to be like Joshua, who said in Joshua 24, Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Dads, that's you and I making that call today. No one else is going to make that call for us in our household besides you and I. This is where it takes some guts to stand up in a dark and broken world, dads. We've got to be men here. This is where real men are men. We don't bow to the, to the pressures of this world to try to want to be like somebody else's dad down the street that isn't living for God. He may be a cooler dad than us, possibly. No, that's not it. That's not the game we're playing. We're, we're talking about seriously standing in the gap for our children in a dark world. And if dads, if they don't see you and me, if they don't see us as dads on our knees, praying, reading the, reading, reading the Bible, bringing our kids to church, bringing our kids to Sunday school, making sure they're in youth group, doing everything we can do to lead them and guide them, then what are we doing? What are we doing? Think about it this way, dads. Let's think about what, your kids want, what you want your kids to be like in the future. All right? Let's work backwards for a minute. Do you want your kids to serve the Lord? Do you want your kids to raise up godly kids in a godly household? Do you want them to be bound by habits and different uh, bondages that would bring harm to their lives? Is that what you want for your children? Do you want to spend eternity with them? Well, if you want some of these things, or if you don't want some of these things, then recognize that today's the day. Today is how you do that. What you're doing today impacts the future for your kids. So now ask yourself the questions and see how you can apply them in your life and how, how are you applying them in your life. If you want your kids to serve the Lord, are you showing them today how to serve the Lord? Are you a role model for them? Are you showing them what it's like to get up early and pray and read your Bible in the morning if that's when you do it? Are you showing them? Are you raising them in a godly household, dads? Basically, are they seeing a, a man consistently living, living an open lifestyle before the Lord? Is that what they're seeing? Or are you living in some type of a bondage, some type of a, of a worldly vice, and somehow justifying your actions as to why you can't break them, why you can't be free of them, and then expecting your kids to be free of them? You see, what we accept in our life, they're going to accept in their life, and it's going to become normal for them. So basically, dads, can you look at your life and honestly want your kids to live like you do? 
Think about this. Do I want my son to be like me? Another thing we do as dads is we provide for their needs. Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 through 11. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, and we're going to stop there, we're going to finish this up in a minute, but we give good gifts to our children. That's part of our job. It's a natural desire for us as dads to want to meet the needs of our family. In a functional setting, it's honorable and it's fulfilling for us to be the, to, for us to be the breadwinners and to provide the income and provide for our family's needs. It's what we do, dads. It's what we do. We get up and go to work every day. We, go, we work hard every day. We provide instruction and discipline to our families. Now, this is something that um, is probably under fire a lot more now than it's ever been, and that is discipline. Discipline. The Bible speaks strongly of godly discipline. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24, in the message, it says this, A refusal to correct is a refusal to love. Love your children by disciplining them. Proverbs 29, 17, Discipline your children. You'll be glad you did. They'll turn out delightful to live with. That's also in the message translation. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Colossians 3.21, Fathers, do not embitter your children. They will become discouraged. Fathers, we have a great responsibility to discipline our children, not destroy them, not, dis not, not embitter them, but we want to train them. We want to lead them. We want to provide a way of discipline for them so that they know what's right and what's wrong without any questions. We don't like gray areas. We want to make it right and wrong, and we can do that, fathers. That's our job. But we do that in a way that we do not uh, embitter them. We don't want to discourage them. Here's the thing about being a child. No matter how old you are, every child wants to please his father. Do you know that? There is something inside of a person that you want to be pleasing to your father. Dig deep down in your life. And probably if you have root, deep-rooted issues, some counselor will probably figure it out at some point in time that you are some issues with pleasing fathers. That's built into us. So dads, be careful when you handle children. Be careful that you, in your discipline, that you, don't, that you don't break them. That you don't harm them with discouraging words. That you always speak highly of your children in the process of disciplining them. You discipline them because you love them, not because you're mad at them. Big difference. You discipline because you love. And if you don't love, you don't discipline. We also provide unwavering and unconditional and unfailing love. Parents never stop loving children, do you? How many parents do I have here today? How many of you don't like your children? We love our children. We love them. We don't need a Bible verse to tell us that. We just do. It's just the way we're wired. We love our kids and we always will no matter what they become. That's the beautiful thing about families. Let's talk about the role of our Heavenly Father. Very similar to the roles of a father. Number one, he provides for our, our needs. Our Heavenly Father provides for our needs. Let's go back and finish up what we started in Matthew chapter 7, verse 9 through 11. Starting at verse 11. If you then, though are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? How much more will God 
give you good gifts when you are a child of God. Isn't that awesome to know that? Isaiah chapter 58, verse 11. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like, well, like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. James 4, 19. And God, my God, will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. We're promised that God will meet our needs. Now, we get confused here because we often get our needs and our wants mixed up. We never find it in Scripture at all telling us that God is going to meet our wants. He promises our needs, but our wants are a different thing. Because our wants may not line up with God's Word, but our needs always line up with God's Word because God knows our needs. And He will give us our needs. As, we're ch as a child of God, you can go to God's Word and know that God will meet your needs. He also provides instruction and discipline, just like a human father does. Again, this is not something that's popular today. We don't like to teach it that God is a disciplinarian, but he is. Why is he a disciplinarian? Because he loves you. Because he loves you, he's a disciplinarian. Hebrews chapter 12, let's read this in the message, starting at verse 4. In this all-out match against sin, others have suffered far worse than you to say nothing of what Jesus went through. All that bloodshed. So don't feel sorry for yourselves. Or have you forgotten how good parents treat how good parents treat children and that God regards you as his children? My dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline, but don't and but don't be crushed by it either. It's the child he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. God is educating you. That's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as dear children. This trouble you're in isn't punishment, it's training. The normal experience of children. Only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? We respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us. So why not embrace God's training so we can truly live? While we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them. But God is doing what is best for us, training us to live God's holy best. At the time, discipline isn't much fun. It always feels like it's going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely, for it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in the relationship with God. God disciplines because he loves. Instruction and discipline are probably one of the most undervalued and yet most valuable experiences in life. Both are not typically welcomed at the time of the experience. Both are, are uh, training and, and, and discipline are not fun. By the, by the one doing the training or the one being disciplined. Can you go back and remember the time that you spanked your children? Remember what you said? This hurts me more than it hurts you. It did. It does hurt. It was not fun spanking children. But you have to because you need to discipline them in the righteousness of God. Many times I think that we are more concerned about being our child's friend. That'll come later. It does come later. If you do your job disciplining your child when he's young, then when he's old, he will be your friend. And it will be a good thing. But while we're young, we must properly discipline our children. You know, and discipline comes from the hand of the Father most of the time. Discipline comes from the hand of the Heavenly Father most of the time. We have, we have a, there, there's many people that have a hard time thinking that God can be the disciplinarian, that God never brings anything bad into life. 
But I guess our definition then has to understand what is bad. What is bad? If God brings discipline, is it bad? If God brings discipline to correct you and to rebuke you and to put you on the right path, is it bad? No, the Bible says it may seem bad at the time. So if you're going through a hard time, many people think, well, that's not from God. Well, I'm going to say that it is. It can be from God. God can bring discipline into your life. And when I was a child, or when I was a dad, and Tyler, uh, or Aubrey really was the one who got more spankings than Tyler, so we'll use Aubrey, and she would appreciate that because she knows. But if Aubrey was bad, and if I needed to correct her, I did not go to the neighbor and said, would you come please spank my child? Or would you come and determine what discipline she needs to have? I did not trust my neighbor disciplining my child. No, I did it. I'm the dad. I did it. And, you know, so, so many dads are afraid they don't want to be the mean dad. They don't want to be the bad guy. So rather than get the neighbor, they probably don't do anything at all. Well, God is a loving God. And when God sees me messing up, he loves me enough to say, I need to discipline him. And he doesn't go get Satan and say, hey, Satan, would you come discipline him? Because I don't want him to think I'm a mean guy. Would you want to be disciplined by Satan? Because I don't think Satan would know when to stop. But God knows when to stop because he knows when the job is done. Therefore, I trust God to be my disciplinarian. I trust God because I know that he has my best interest in his mind. I have no problem taking the good from God, which I declare good, and taking the bad from God, which I declare bad. But God declares it all good. There's no bad with God. It's all good because it's what I need to have to get through my time to, be, to grow up and to be an ad- adult, mature Christian because whatever God gives to me is good. Even though I may say, God, it's bad. It's good. So let's not get angry at God. Let's not blame God. Let's just look at him and say, thank you, Father, for training me. Thank you, God, for bringing this adversity in my life because I don't look at it as punishment. I look at it as training. And thank you for loving me so much. God is an unwavering, unconditional, and unfailing lover of us. He loves us no matter what. No matter how we've messed up, God loves us unconditionally. And there's multiple scriptures. Psalm is all throughout the Psalms. Psalm 6-4, Turn, O Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. 32.10, many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts. Psalm 119.76, may your unfailing love be my comfort according to your promise to your servant. God loves you. He loves you. He loves us without condition, without fault. God will never let us alone. There are 25, over 25 other verses in Psalms alone that speak of the word unfailing love. That's just in Psalms. You read the rest of the scriptures. What other proof of God's love can we look for than the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ? He loved us so much that he sent his son. Jackie, if you'd come, we'll begin to close today. But, you know, God loves us so much. And his, un- his love is unfailing. It's unwavering. And because of that, we have hope. We have promise. Dads, let me just tell you right now. It's never too late to be the good dad. It's never too late to be the godly dad. 
It's never too late to go back to your children if you have to and say, I'm sorry. You know, when a man can go back and apologize, that makes him a pretty big man. It's the small man that's afraid of his own ego that can't quite say the words, I'm sorry. It takes a big man to say those two words and really mean it. I'm sorry. And dads, we can do that today because we've probably messed up a little bit. We probably have dropped the ball a few times. But it's okay. First things first, get your heart right with the Lord. Make sure that you go to your Father in heaven if you are a Christian. If you're not a Christian today, you can become a Christian. If you're not a child of God today, you can become a child of God today. You can by, by asking him to forgive you and repenting, meaning going to, doing the hard work of repenting, going backwards to that point of that narrow gate, coming through that narrow gate and getting on that narrow road. You can do that today. And then when you do that, then you can go to your children and say, you know, guys, I, I'm sorry. I, I didn't do the things I should have done as well as I should have done them when I was a dad. When I was having those very important years formulating your life, I'm sorry, but I'm going to begin today. Children here, I don't care how old you are. I don't care how old we are. It's never too late to start honoring our father and mother either. Maybe you haven't always honored your parents. Maybe you had a tough childhood. Maybe your dad and mom weren't godly people, but you can pray for them. You can honor them through prayers today. You can lift them up. You can encourage them. You can pray for God's will in their life. You can pray for the conviction of the Holy Spirit to go to your parents. I'm not sure if your parents are serving the Lord or not. But, you know, we often talk about that praying mother that has prayed that child into heaven. Well, child, you can pray your mother into heaven. Child, you can pray your father into heaven today. There's no age limit with God. He loves us all. He doesn't love us more when we're young and less when we're old. He loves us all the same. So this morning, if there's some work to be done, if you need to ask forgiveness as being a dad to your children, or if you need to be as a child, ask forgiveness for rebelling against your parents, it's all doable. It's all forgivable. Do you understand that? It's all forgivable. If you're breathing today, it's forgivable. So this morning, I just want to close the service this morning by just taking some time that we would um, pray for our dads, clearly. But I want to just take some time of evaluation that we would just, all of us, let's just close our eyes this, this morning and let's just reflect a little bit about what our past life has been. Thanking the Lord for strength of good dads. Thanking the Lord for godly men in our lives that have helped um, fabricate us and make us what we are. And then let's just, if there wasn't that good relationship, then I just want to ask you to forgive your dad. So would you just close your eyes with me this morning and let's just take some time and reflect, pray. Father, we just ask you to do a mighty work. I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would bring up in our hearts and our minds the memories of good and bad that we can deal with them, that we can thank you for the good, Lord. And for the bad things, Lord, I pray that you would just help us to forgive and release. Release anything that would not have been good, Father. I pray, God, that we would not harbor bitterness in our lives for, towards mistakes that our fathers have made because they're people. 
They're human. They're going to make mistakes. Help us to forgive as you've forgiven us. Father, I pray for the dads in this place today that maybe need to have a renewed relationship with you. I pray, God, that you would reach your hand down and that finger of conviction would be heavy on the heart this morning that would recognize, that we would recognize that truly there are things we have to take care of today. Forgive us, Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray that our relationship with you would be pure and proper. Lord, as we ask for your love and for your purpose in our life, that I pray, God, that we would be ready and quick to do the things that are pleasing in your sight. Just as we want to please our fathers and we want our children to please us, we want to please you, Jesus. We want to be pleasing in your sight today. We want to honor you today. And God, now I pray for every father here. Lord, I pray for every grandfather here in this place. I pray, God, that you would just um, bring about a peace in their life today. Lord, for those, for us, for all of us that have made mistakes, I pray, God, that you would release us from condemnation in the name of Jesus, that we would not feel condemned because we've made mistakes. But, God, I do really pray that we would be bold enough and big enough to go to our children and say, we're sorry. And as we do that, Lord, that you'll free us. You will free us to have new relationships, to have proper relationships, to have relationships that are based on God's word. God, I pray for every dad today, every young dad today that is, or a, a new dad that's beginning. God, I pray that you would just give him the boldness and the strength to be that godly man that knows how to discipline in love, knows how to love his children unconditionally, that can embrace them and hug them and touch them and, and just give them all the that tactile feedback, that physical love that they need to have, especially with daughters. God, I just pray you protect our families. Protect us, Lord. Just give us a great day today as we go and we celebrate Father's Day with our dads today. I pray, Lord, that you'd be glorified in all of this. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great day today. Go out and enjoy. Go hug your dad if he's still there. If he hasn't, if he's, write him a letter, call him, or just think about him. Amen. Be blessed. Have a great day.